you see our place in this world and Lord, you have a purpose for us. You have a purpose for us individually but also corporately as a group, as a church. And Father, I, I just pray that as we spend some time in your presence that you would speak to our hearts. Lord God, that you would help us to know what it is that is on your heart. Like that song said that we sang earlier, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Father, help us to care not just about what we think about, but help us to care about what you think about. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I'd like to talk, I'd like to spend some time with you talking about church. Thinking about church. Church, what is church? I wonder how you describe that. I've got a question for you to start with today because being a teacher, I'm not happy that you just sit there and passively listen. I want you to be actually engaged uh, in a more active way today. So I have a question for you and the question, I want you to discuss this with the people around you. So you need to turn around and actually look at the people next to you and behind you and in front of you. Then the question is this, why did you come here this morning? Why did you come here this morning? Off you go. Go. Talk. Discuss. You don't have to answer back, you just have to discuss with each other. All right, so hopefully you've, uh, you've had some good thoughts and it's started to get the kind of juices flowing. But you know, God has called us into something pretty amazing. Have you ever, do you really think about that? Jesus, Jesus, when he was on earth, he walked on this earth, right? And he did amazing things. Jesus would meet the leper and he would touch the leper. He would meet sick people and he would heal sick people. He would go into towns and he would heal everybody that was sick in some of the towns. He would raise the dead. He would teach people. He would unpack the scriptures in ways that people were like, wow, this is amazing. What authority this man has. Jesus walked on this earth and he did incredible things. But then he died and then he went into heaven and he left this earth but he still continues to walk on this earth today through his church. Because we as the church are his body. Do you really think about that? We as the church are his body. We are his hands and his feet and his arms and his legs. We are continuing the ministry that Jesus started way back 2,000 years ago. We continue that on. We continue that on. He's called us to be part of his body. He's the head, we are the body. It says that all sorts of places in scripture. Et's been preaching through Acts and he's been talking about, his, his title for the whole series has been the Acts of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was continuing to, continuing to act 
past the time when he was resurrected and went back into heaven. Jesus is still working today. He's still doing the same things. He doesn't change. He's still doing the same sorts of things that he did back then. Today, through us. And that is pretty awesome. Last Sunday, we talked about international justice mission and we talked about slavery and the need for us as Christians to get involved. Why can we do stuff like that? We can do stuff like that because we are the body of Christ. We continue on what he started. So, how are we doing? How are we doing? How are we, as Pathway Church, how are we doing being the body of Christ? How would you, how would you gauge that? How would you, just, you know, what would you look at? What are your identifiers? What are you, your key identifiers to say, yes, tick, or no, cross? You know, how, how are we doing? Would, would you look at the buildings? <clears throat> I think we're kind of, generally in our society, we're past the idea of calling this the church. This is just the building. I think we kind of get that. But, you know, I mean, it's a nice building. It's beautifully renovated. But is that, are we doing well because of that? Are we doing well because, you know, we're a kind of a growing community that, more people are coming along on a Sunday morning. Is that, would you say that's an indicator that we're doing well? Um, is it the number of ministries we have, the fact that we start looking at this pathway shed and all that, you know, the fact that that's, that's a cool initiative. I mean, is that an indicator that we're doing well as a church? How would you gauge uh, how we're doing as a church? Because I want to really just kind of push this a little bit and challenge all of us to be thinking that Pathway Church is not sort of some sort of identity out there that we kind of go along to. No, Pathway Church is us. Pathway Church is you, every one of you and me. It doesn't exist without us. It's not sort of out there somewhere. We are Pathway Church. We are the church of God. So how are we doing on that? All right, so here's my second question for you to discuss with each other is... What makes a great church? That's my question. What makes a great church? Because then you can think about where the pathway kind of, you know, stacks up to that. But just think ideally for a minute. I want you to talk with the people around you. What makes a great church? Go for it. Can you take one and pass them on? You can just pass, take one and pass them on if you want. Could, would you mind taking one and pass it on? One and pass them on. <clears throat> All right, so what makes a great church? <clears throat> Interesting question. We could spend a long time sort of thinking about this, and I bet we'd have a whole raft of different answers. 
different sort of thoughts. Is there anything particular that uh, has come up in your discussions that you want to feed back? You know, real, did anyone have real kind of brainwaves? Yeah. The way we love each other. That's cool. Yeah, nice. The Lord's house. Yeah. And he cares about our problems, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, cool. A good minister? A great church has a good minister? That's particularly pertinent right now, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, centered on the word and a supernatural family. Yeah. Yeah. How well we represent Jesus. That's cool. See, there's lots of different ways you can look at this. And I want to suggest to you today and kind of work with an analogy, which is the church is a family, is like a family. Now, this is not the only analogy in Scripture, and it's, you know, any analogy breaks down, really. But I want to just work with this for a little bit and, help, and work. And just kind of explore the idea that the church is like a family. Church, ideally, should be like a family. Now, of course, a lot of us have had bad family experiences. All of us have had imperfect family experiences. And to some degree, you're going to look at some of these factors and kind of go, that was not my family experience. My family was terrible. That's, just put that aside for a minute. We're talking about the ideal family here. So... It, when we read scripture, we see a lot of evidence that uh, the church is like a family. We talk about God as our father. We talk about one another as brothers and sisters, other Christians as brothers and sisters. I mean, you see that all through the New Testament. This is New Testament, really. Uh, we see in all kinds of ways that um, you know, we're adopted into God's families, we're heirs with God. There's, all sorts of, there's a lot of scripture verses there on your page. Uh, that you can look at uh, later. You know, if you come into membership in this particular church, it's based on whether you can say that you are a child of God. That's the question. If you can evidence that you are a child of God, then you can become a member of this church. That's the kind of criteria. So we're a family in that sort of sense, right? So this is a legitimate way of thinking about the church. And I want to suggest to you and kind of think about four ways in which the church is like a family. Four ways that maybe challenge and hopefully challenge a little bit of the way our culture sees church because I think there's some real limitations to the way often church is characterised beyond just it's a building. It's far more than a It's not the building at all. This building could cease to exist and we would still be the church. But let's move on and let's have a think about these four. The first one is that the family honours its parents. So yesterday it was Reggie's mum's birthday. So because uh, it's her birthday and she's in Sydney, we all got on Zoom and you know there was family from New South Wales, there's family from Tasmania, from ACT. And we all got on Zoom and we spent this time you know, just chatting with her and with each other and just kind of giving her that time because... She's family and she's the mum and she's valuable and we want to honour the parents. I mean, we do that, don't we? We, As, as good, fam good families, honour the mum and the dad. 
And it's the same with us as a church. Church should be about God and not about us. Church should be about God and not about us. This passage that we read, that Mike read earlier, Ephesians 2, the very last verse in it, it it's talking about you know, what God's done and it's, there's a lot in that passage. But it kind of comes down to the fact that the church is like a building. It's like God's taking these each person and he's building the bricks together and he's kind of creating this temple, this building, uh, and it's Jesus is the cornerstone of the building and, and the, the apostles are the foundation and, and it's kind of all structured and in order and it's a beautiful building and it's an amazing construction. But right at the end of it, did you notice what it said in verse 22? It says, we're being put together as a building in which God lives by his spirit. So forget about this bricks and mortar, this building. He's talking about a spiritual building. We, when we come together as the church, we are where God lives by his spirit. Does that strike you as awesome? To me, that is... We come into this building and we gather together as God's people. God is here. God of the universe is here in this building. He's here amongst us. Like he's, we can't see him because he's spiritual. He's, but he is here. He's here in no less real way than when Jesus was on earth, reaching out to the leper and touching and healing the leper, speaking into the brokenness of this person or that person, dealing with the things in people's hearts that need to be dealt with. Jesus was moving and touching and healing and restoring God is here. When we get together as a church, God is here. He's here. This is where he dwells. So if people in the world want to know what's God like, well, they should be able to come to a gathering like this or wherever our church gathers. I mean, it might be at your home in a Bible study. It might be when a few of you go to the park and you know are together in some... It might be wherever, you, wherever the church is gathering... That's where God is. And the, church, the, the world should be able to go, I want to know what God's like. And then they come amongst the people of God and go, okay, this is what God's like. This is what God's doing. This is God's heart. This is what's happening in the world because of what God's doing. This is far more than a Rotary Club meeting. You know, I, I did a gig once at a Rotary Club meeting. That's the only time I've ever been. Uh, and uh, they're, they're great meetings and they do great things. Rotary clubs do amazing things. Probably some of you are part of one. Uh, they raise funds and they do lots of projects and they care about things in the community and they're very active and they're very good people. Nothing wrong with Rotary Club, I'm not speaking against that, but church is not a rope. it's not the same. It's not we just come along and we kind of do a few good, act, good, good projects and help the community. And No, 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 it's not like that at all. We are the community in which God dwells by his spirit, where God can be active in the hearts of people. That's pretty awesome. And the sad thing is that, it, the sad thing is when sometimes gatherings of the church become about us rather than about God. See, when we get together, we should be focused on God. I mean, these songs this morning were a good example of that. It's songs that allow us to think about God and what he's done and what he means to us and who he is and what his character's like. But when we come 
as a church together and all we think about is our problems and how we can get God to help us. We're missing the power and the point of what church is all about. Church should be about God. It shouldn't be about us. Sure, we bring ourselves and our difficulties to God, but we need to be focused on Him. I remember hearing, um, reading in a book about the YWAM uh, ministry and how the founder of that came. I won't tell the whole story. It's quite a detailed story. But he came to this realisation that in their meetings, it was like he had kind of like a vision. He said, you know, we were meeting together and we were celebrating all the good things about being a Christian ministry. And, 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 and then I noticed over in the corner, it was like Jesus was over in the corner, stuck in the corner because we, we were sort of focused on ourselves and thinking about ourselves and Jesus was kind of left in the corner. We don't want to do that as a church. As a church, when we get together, we want God to be our focus. We want to honour God, our Father. We want Him to be the centre of what we're doing. So I've got a question at the end of this. Uh, it's on your sheet. And the question, and you don't need to discuss this, but I actually want to just put the question, and then I actually want to be silent for a minute and let you reflect. The question is, do you focus more on what you liked or on what God liked about church? Francis Chan has a whole message about this. He, you know, he identifies that often people say, oh, I didn't like that church because of this, or I don't like that, or when, we, when the, our church does this kind of music, I don't like that, or I like this, or I don't like that. And, and he's like, we, stop, uh, stop talking about what we like. It's not about us. The church gathering is not about us. It's about God. Do, when do we ask, what did God think of what we did? What does God think of our music? What does God think about this or that aspect of our gathering? So that's my question. And I just want us to be silent for a minute, just to think and reflect. Do you focus more on what you liked or on what God liked about the church? A second question for you, not not a second question, but a second way in which the church is like a family is that a family connects. You know, a good family, again, we're talking about the ideal family. A, A family is a safe place where you can come home and you can hang up your jacket, where you can come and you can be who you truly are. A good family is the place where they're not going to judge you And it doesn't matter whether you've fallen flat on your face or risen to the heights. They love you and they're with you. A family, a good family is a place where you can share your deepest, darkest fears. Where you can share your greatest aspirations and your heart's yearnings. Where you can be completely open and honest. Isn't it? That's what a good family should be like. Why can't the church be like that. I suggest that the church can be like that. A church can be a place in which people really connect. The Bible talks heaps about loving. Tamara, I think you mentioned this. A, a good church is a loving church. 
love, you know, we're, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love one another. It, love is at the core of who God is. Love is at the core of who we are and who God calls us to be. There's no selfishness in a family. A family love one another. You know, a family share things. A family love each other to such an extent that if one person needs something, then the family will contribute. If one person's down, the family's down. If one person's hurting, we're all hurting. If one person's celebrating, we're all celebrating. That, that, that kind of love, that kind of connection, that kind of unity is what the church could be. Is this how people think about our church? Is this how all people think about our church? Is our church known as a loving community in, like outside, in the, in the wider community? Maybe it is. Family connections are deep. They're real connections. Real connections, you know, they're not just sharing about how your week went or, you know, what work, what's happening at work. I mean, that, 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 that's good, but I'm talking real connections. I'm talking deep heart connections, the sharing of one heart to another. You know, connection is a theme that comes up in all sorts of places, but Larry Crabb wrote a book quite some time ago called Connecting, and I'm a bit of a fan of that book. And he, Larry is an American psychologist and he trains counsellors. He's been in the counselling business for a long time and, and he writes this book really to say that, you know, a lot of what ends up in a counsellor's office or a psychologist's office could actually be dealt with within the church if the church was connecting well. This is a big topic Then I'd love to, you know, it, it's a great topic. But he says connecting... And, and I've got a quote um, from his book. He says, When two people connect, when their beings intersect, something is poured out of one and into the other that has the power to heal the soul at its, of its deepest wounds and restore it to health. This sort of connection is very powerful. I mean, I think this is partly what the Bible means when it talks about fellowship. You know that word, fellowship? We, we, we kind of use that word. It's a bit of an old-fashioned word, I think, these days. Nobody really uses it. Hey, come around to my place and let's have some fellowship. Uh, it's a great word, very, very powerful word, but I think this is what the Bible's talking about when it talks about fellowship. Because taking Larry's idea, and he does kind of develop this, but if connection is about me talking with you and something being poured out of my life into your life that brings healing and restoration to you and vice versa. Add to that the Spirit of God at work so that when I connect with you, it's actually the Spirit of God in me connecting with the Spirit of God in you. That is incredibly powerful. The potential for hope and healing and ministry and enabling and it's amazing. And that's what God's given us. You, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, at the end of Pentecost. Pentecost has come, the church has come alive. What does it say? They devoted themselves to four things, but the second one is fellowship. The disciples devoted themselves to fellowship. They got a sense, intuitive sense, that something is very powerful here and has so much potential. So when people say things like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter if I turn up on Sunday. 
It, it doesn't really matter. You know, I don't feel very well, so I just won't bother coming because it doesn't really matter. It does matter. If church is operating like it should do, it matters because God is here and because this is a place where we can connect. Maybe there's some things that could change about the structure of this, but really that's what the church is about. It's about connecting. Maybe we need to find other ways in which connection can happen because me talking and you listening, that's not real. That's not connection. I've got no idea what's going on in your heart right now. We've got to find other ways to actually be able to relate and connect like that. So my second question is, how is your connection within the church? Again, I'm going to leave a silence for a minute. How is your connection within the church? Okay, third idea in which the church is like a family is that families contribute. Every member of a family contributes. You know, when a family gets together and puts on a dinner party or something like that, everybody pitches in. Some people are peeling potatoes, other people are setting the table, other people are washing dishes. You know, if you get together with your family and somebody's sitting on the lounge while everyone else is working, you probably go over and give them a bit of a kick Get off the lounge, come and help out. Like, can families contribute? Everybody's got a part to play and everybody plays their part. That's the ideal family, of course. And so, particularly in 1 Corinthians, we see the idea that God actually gives gifts to everybody. Everybody in the church has gifts. The problem with me standing up and talking like this and someone preaching and you know, other people leading music, is you can sit there thinking, oh, well, these people have gifts and we don't. That's so not true. Everybody's got gifts. Some people have got this kind of gift or that kind of gift. There's all sorts of different gifts. But everybody's got a gift. Why? Why have we got gifts? The reason you see it in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 11, to build up the church. The reason you've got a gift of leadership or mercy or generosity or speaking in tongues or healing or whatever your gift is, it's not for you, it's for the church. So you're operating your gift and you're building up the church. The more you contribute your gift, the more you're building up the church and making the church, the body of Christ, stronger and more effective in its ministry. There's no passive members in a good family. Everybody contributes. There should be no passive members in the church either. There's a problem with this kind of format where you know, we come along to this event and you sit there. I mean, it's quite possible, and I do it sometimes, like you come along, you sit in your seat, sing a few songs, say thing, nice things to people, have a cup of tea and off you go home. Well, that, that, what are we contributing? You know, do, things like do you, when, you come on a, when you drive here on a Sunday morning or ride your bike, as Mike did this morning, uh, do you pray in your mind, Lord, what do you want me to contribute today? What am I bringing? What have I got? What do you want me to give to the church, to strengthen the church as we meet together? It's too easy to be passive in this sort of format because we shouldn't be passive. There's no passive, passive members 
in a good family. And, you know, there's no space either for saying, oh, well, I'm not really gifted. You know, Ed's gifted at teaching and Ruth, my mum, is gifted at Bible studies, but I'm not really gifted. I can't play piano, I can't preach, therefore it's really, you know, I don't really have any... That's not what the Bible describes. There's all sorts of gifts and the upfront sort of gifts are just one type of gift. But there's other gifts. I mean, you, you can be a teacher and be teaching one person, meeting with one person. You can have a gift of mercy and be operating you know, in ways which are showing mercy to people. You can have a gift of encouragement and just be writing little cards. To there's so many ways in which the gifts operate. And the Spirit of God gives gifts to everybody for the building up of the church. So, I wish we could spend more time on these things, but that's always the way when I get into these topics. There's always more that I want to think about. But here's the question for you. What part are you playing in the body to strengthen the body to bring Christ to the world? What's your part? Fourthly, a family grows up. I don't know any family that wants to hang on to their kids forever. You know, you have kids and they start off little and you're very involved in their lives and they get bigger and you're less involved and then they get bigger and you're less involved and then eventually they go, see ya, and they move out and they start their own family or they move out and they live somewhere else. Families grow up, that's the idea. The, a good family raises children from dependence to independence to interdependence, doesn't it? You, you, you want your kids, at first your kids are dependent completely, they're reliant on you, you have to feed them, wipe their bottom, everything. Then they become independents, like, thanks mum, I got this. Then when they get a bit more mature, they become interdependent, they realise actually I do need you but we can work together and I bring strengths and you bring strengths and we can, that's interdependent and that's a healthy family grows up. Same in the church. Christianity is not a line in the sand where you go, I didn't used to believe in Jesus, now I believe in Jesus, done. I'm a Christian, that's it, let's go, heaven. That's not how it works. Christianity is, you find out about Jesus, you make the step to believe in Jesus and that starts you on a journey which leads you to God himself. It's a journey. You, you grow every single year, every single day you're growing in your faith, you're growing in your understanding, you're growing your love for God and the ultimate destination is God himself. That's where we want to be. We want to be with God and one day Revelation says we will see him face to face. Won't that be amazing? We grow up. We've got to grow up. And the church is very much about the place in which people can grow up. It's about creating a, a, a cultivating an environment in which people can grow, in which people don't get stuck. So many people get stuck. What's the word that the, that the Bible uses to describe all this? It's discipleship. What did Jesus say when he left? He'd been here, done all this stuff, died, risen, 
He's about to go and he says, before I go, I want to tell you one thing. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. That's his commission. I would argue that's our core business as a church, is discipling. Discipling means walking with somebody to help them go from a point of not knowing Jesus to knowing Jesus to loving Jesus. I would argue that every single Christian is a disciple and every single disciple makes other disciples. It's not that, well, some people have the gift of discipleship and they kind of do that, others don't. That's not how the Bible describes it. Discipleship is something that Jesus gave to all of his disciples and disciples make disciples. Discipleship starts from starts with non-Christians, starts with people who don't know Jesus, helps them to come to the point of knowing who Jesus is and giving their hearts to Jesus and then it continues on, taking them on to the place where they know God deeply and intimately and they love him. I don't think you, you never get to the end of that journey in this life. I think you know that, don't you? None of us loves God perfectly. We all are growing. So my final question is, how can the church help you grow in your faith and how can you help the church grow in God's purposes? You know, one day Jesus is coming back. The Bible describes that as he's coming back for his bride. Okay, so we are the bride of Christ. We are being prepared. Do you know like a bride on her wedding day spends hours, it's ridiculous, at the hairdresser. (laughs) She spends thousands of dollars, God forbid, on her dress. It's got to be perfect. She just, the bride prepares herself in fastidious detail. Everything, everything. It's got to be beautiful and amazing. And on the day, I've heard people say, you know, God help any bride who doesn't look gorgeous on her wedding day. On the day, she looks gorgeous and she's amazing and she meets her lover coming down the aisle. You know, photographers love to take the photo of the groom as he's standing here when the bride appears at the back of the church building. When he first sees his bride walking, Jesus is coming back for his bride. We are his bride. And we are in the preparation stage. We are being prepared, like the bride, to meet our Lord, our Jesus, our lover. One day he's coming back and then it will be heaven. Then it will be the wedding feast. Then it will be the celebration and life forever. Right now, we're preparing. We're becoming the church that will one day meet Jesus. Let's do all that we can. Let's stop thinking about ourselves. Let's stop thinking about what church means for us. Let's stop being so selfish and so consumeristic and so individualistic about church. Let's become the church that will meet her, bro- her husband one day.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for what you have called us into. Lord, it, it just boggles the mind. Father, we, we just want to give you honour because this is your purpose and always has been. You've always wanted, right from the beginning of creation, you've wanted a people called to yourself. And Lord, we get to be that. And I just pray, Lord, that you would form us, that you would shape us, that you would knock off the hard edges, that you would mould us to become the people that you want us to be. Lord, we want to be the hands and feet and the, the mouth. and the, the, We want to be the body of Christ in this world. We want to be carrying on the work that you've called us to do. Lord, empower us for that. Fill us with your spirit. Show us what we need to do. Lord, help us to draw together. Help us to connect. Help us to become such a team, such a family, that your name would be honoured and that people would be drawn to you. Lord God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.